I did something this year I've not done in many years. I went out on Black Friday and did some shopping. Um, for a long time, as a matter of principle, I had not gone, and um, I had started my own tradition. My family would leave, and I would watch Godfather. Um, I really don't know how that started. It was on Netflix. I wanted to watch it, and there, there it was. And so we just, you know, that was that. I did it one year, so I don't know that I could call it a tradition, but I'd really like for it to be a tradition. Anyway, so I'm there in line at Kohl's. We're really there because uh, our son needs something for winter formal, and they've got good prices, and, I, you know, buying clothes online is weird. So, um, so we're there getting it all together, and then we go to get in line. And as we get in line, we realize that the line is not right there at Kohl's in the front. How many of you have been to Kohl's? You know what I... Okay, this will make this a lot easier. So all the cash registers are now in the front. They're only on the one side. And we pass the line. We see it's snaking around. No big deal. We get down to that side where it's sort of like this, like, misfit toy land. And then uh, we realize that it's, it's past that. And so we get to the corner where customer service is. Um, and as we get there, we realize that the line is now going back the other direction. And so it is, you know, it is snaked, I would say, a quarter of the way back on this back, back wall. You know, no big deal. Um, I've got what I need. Uh, other people with us want to shop. Other people with me want to shop. And so I said, hey, you go shop. I'll wait in line because it's, it's great. I love this line. And so I'm there. I'm in the line. I'm holding stuff. <clears throat> and in front of me is like a team. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. They've got matching shirts with a slogan um, like Black Friday 2020, get out of my way or be destroyed. I mean, something cheerful like that. And um, they're there, and they've brought, they knew this was coming because they brought each other. And so they're like talking, and they're telling stories, and they're talking about who's going to get what, where, and how great it's going to be, and life is fantastic. And they're just having a big time. Now, it's clear they've been at it for a while. I mean, they're, they're looking a little tired, but I mean, you know, it's, it's 1 o'clock. They're going strong still. Uh, behind me, who gets in line right behind me, is a man, and I believe is his teenage daughter. And they're there, and they're not, um, they're not as happy. Um, they're, they're grumpy, um, or he is in particular, and they're talking about the lines, and, you know, oh, gosh, these lines are terrible, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, it's Black Friday, like, what did you expect? Um, and, you know, they're, they're, he's grousing about things, and, you know, fine, no big deal. So on one, in front of me, we're having a good time. Behind me, we're not having a, a good time. Um, I turn around at some point in time, and, and the man has been replaced, like tag team, with who I'm guessing is his wife. We didn't really get into a conversation. Um, and, you know, she's there now with the daughter, and they're talking, and, you know, things are this, and there's just a lot of stuff, and people, and this, and then finally, you know, we're, we've made our way now to the last, like, the last bend. You know, we're at the last corner. We can see the cash registers, and the dad comes in. He's like, what are we getting? And they're like, well, we're getting these things. And he's like, that's all we're getting. I don't know if I want to wait in this line. Like, man, this, this line is like, like you've made it. Like, like the end is in sight. Like you're 80% through this line. And it's actually going really fast, like in comparison of lines. Like this isn't Walmart. Like this is like, like the NASCAR of lines. And we're, we're moving. And he's like, I just don't know. I just don't know if I want to wait. Is it even worth it? You know, you've already invested. Like, it's already in. To leave now, I mean, you've, you're just going to lose everything. Now, again, I'm not saying any of this because I, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. And so, um, you know, I, I think they actually ended up leaving. Um, and I thought, you know, that's kind of 
It's kind of sad. Now, the team in front of me, they made it. They're, you know, they were going strong. They were going to hit someplace else afterwards. But I, I thought about this. I thought about waiting because nobody, like, really likes to wait. I've never met anybody who you say, like, what do you like to do in your spare time? And they say, I like to wait in lines. Uh, that's never been something I've heard. Uh, and so while we don't like it, it's part of the universal human experience. And you think about this line in Coles, and I know it's, you know, we've all waited in lines like that. But it was like a different world in front of me and behind me. In front of me, they were enjoying. They were thinking about how much joy what they were getting was going to bring to the people that they were going to give these gifts to. And behind me, all that could happen is they could just fixate and focus on the wait. What's, it's the difference. It's the same line. We're all having the same experience. It's, I think at the end of the day, it's the perspective. I want to look at a text this morning about waiting. Uh, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Uh, and, and we're going to see here this wait, because waiting is one of those things in life that I really think will make or break you. It is as we wait on God, as we wait for things to happen, the wait will, will make you stronger or it will break you. And in this text, we see that both happen to the same, in the same situation, same couple. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Let's just pause here and just talk about a few things. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to be a, a poorer priestly family. There are very wealthy priests during this time. We would refer to them uh, mostly as the Sadducees. These are people who are in the ruling aristocracy in Jerusalem inside of the temple. That's them. That's where they are. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are not part of that group. They are a part of this clan of Abijah. They are invited in periodically. Uh, he is invited in periodically to do work in the temple maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. It was kind of a rotation basis. They likely lived out in the country someplace, had a small farm, and that's how they you know, made a subsistence living. That's likely what happened with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And for their whole life, I mean, they've been playing by the rules. He's married into the right family lineage to be a good priest. You know, they've done these things. They're devout, they're holy, but they can't have kids. Now, you'll notice Luke says, Elizabeth was unable to conceive. Here's the thing. In the ancient world, uh, ladies, uh, I'm sorry, you have very little to do with childbirth. Um, you know, we know that, yes, they, the child comes out of you, but it's the man does all the work in the ancient world. And, you know, men were always able to have children. It was, it was always the woman's fault. And so Luke is letting us know this is sort of the stigma that surrounds them that Zechariah and Elizabeth can't have kids, and it is, is they would walk by this older couple without children. Uh, people would look and go, well, you know, there's something wrong with her. You know, she's got some sin in her life or in her family's life, or maybe it's Zechariah's fault. Probably not. It's mostly hers. And this is the, sort of the cloud that they live under. He continues on. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, if you're not up on your ancient Judaism temple, uh, you know, uh, archaeology or architecture, let me help you with this one. Uh, Zechariah would have normally been functioning as an attendant, an assistant, maybe helping with some uh, slaughtering of animals. He would have likely been, you know, what we think of today as a butcher out in the courtyard preparing sacrifices that are going to go into the temple. But here it says he's chosen by lot. This would have likely been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him to actually go not into the courtyard, but pass that into the temple itself, into a holy place where he would light incense, and this incense would be lit during the time of prayer, and this incense would sort of wave through a curtain that nobody could go through except the high priest, and only once a year, And he would go light this incense and it would go in and the incense was symbolic of all the prayers because everybody's praying outside and he's going inside and he's lighting this incense and the prayers are going in with this sweet smelling incense as an offering to God. And so this was a high honor for Zechariah to go. It was rare, you know, for him to be able to do this. This may have been the first and only time for him to do that. Here's what happens. It says, when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Well, sure he was. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And now the angel's going to give him some specific things that would have been uh, important for the Jewish custom. He was going to be a Nazarite. That's this vow they would take, somebody who's going to be set aside to the Lord for his whole life. He says he's not ever to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many to the people of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the angel has come. Let's just all get on the same page. And he has told Zechariah, hey, listen, I know you're old. I know your wife's old. I know that you shouldn't be able to have kids. I know that you haven't been able to have kids. And I know that nobody your age in the senior center is going to be having children either. But it's about to happen. And not only are you going to have a child, you're going to have a special child, a child who's going to be filled with the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, if you've got your Bible, you could go back to the Old Testament to the very last page. You're going to find the book of Malachi. And in the very last chapter there, Malachi chapter 4, you're going to read this. It is the prophecy that the angel says. He says, I will send the prophet Elijah to you. You see, what's happening here is there's been 400 years of silence. And now the angel breaks that silence. And he says, your son is going to break that silence. And for 400 years, you've been hanging on this word that Elijah's going to return. And Zechariah, guess what? That's your boy. Now, how would you feel in this moment? If you're Zechariah, an angel's shown up, he's recited this prophecy, and you think, man, not only am I going to have a kid, I'm going to have this miraculous kid that's going to play a part in God's salvation history. Let's see what Zechariah does. Zechariah asks the angel, How can I be sure of this? 
I'm an old man. My wife, she's no spring chicken. That's how it's written in the Greek. How can I be sure about this? You hear there's skepticism here. There's maybe some bitterness. There's maybe some anger that now after his life of waiting for a child, of praying for a child, of standing in this line, waiting for a kid, that now this kid's going to come. And Zechariah has probably had, you know, a few times in his life where they thought they were going to have a child. Maybe there was even a miscarriage. And some of you know how painful that is. And now he's jaded, he's calloused, he's hurt, he's frustrated frustrated and he says I, I i just need how are you sure about this mr angel how do i know what you're saying is true this is going to be a problem the angel said i'm gabriel i stand in the presence of god and i have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news gabriel is frustrated and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wonder why he stayed in the temple so long. Zechariah is kind of old. What if he lit the incense and then died? What do we do then? This is a problem. Are, are our prayers going to be heard? These are all questions they have. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs. Just like that but remained unable to speak when his time of service was completed he returned home so Zechariah is one of the people we're looking at who's been waiting he's been waiting and if we would say a wait makes or breaks somebody it has broken poor Zechariah the verses change and now we see a different picture it says after this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months she remained in seclusion the Lord has done this for me, she said. This is God's gift. God has done this. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Zechariah didn't believe. Elizabeth said, finally, it's happened. I, I knew it would. I thought it would. I believed that it could. We've got two people traveling the same road, yet with radically different responses. Now, leave it to Luke to tell us this story, because Luke is telling us the story of Elizabeth, who believed. You see, in this ancient world, not only you know, was it always the woman's fault for not being able to have kids, but men were you know, spiritually superior, so it was thought. This is not true, but this is what they were thinking, that men were spiritually superior. And so if anybody was going to believe, it was going to be Zechariah. It was going to be the priest. It was going to be the man who went into the house of God, not Elizabeth, who wasn't allowed in those places. It was going to be Zechariah. But man, isn't it interesting that the people who are supposed to believe and could believe and should believe don't, and the people that you would think, man, how frustrating and broken are you, and yet you still are holding out hope. Man, Luke is just telling us the story, saying, listen, man, anybody can hold on hope. Anybody can, can be in this place. He wants us to know that whatever weight you are waiting on, wherever place you're waiting for God to show up in your life, you can allow that weight to make you or break you. You see, here's the thing. I, I don't want to get too down on Zechariah because, I mean, waiting is hard work. Waiting in the line at Coles is one thing, but, I mean, you're waiting for, you know, your doctor to call. Man, that's a whole different matter. You know, waiting to hear, you know, back if, if somebody's going to be all right. Waiting, you know, waiting to hear a, a whole number of things is, is tough. You know, waiting for somebody's heart to change. 
maybe for your children to come back to you. Man, that's tough. We don't like waiting. It's tough. We have a hard enough time at Kohl's. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I want us to take from this. If we focus on the wait, we become impatient. If we just keep looking at the line, we just get impatient. If we keep looking at all the, the days, the weeks, maybe the years, we become impatient. For 60 years, Zechariah had faithfully served as a priest. And I'm confident he prayed for a long time, years probably, constantly asking God for a child. Maybe when they went to bed at night, Elizabeth would say, Hey, Zechariah, let's pray just one more time for us to have a child. Maybe, maybe he participates in that. He just says it, but his heart isn't there. His mind isn't in this. You know, Zechariah is focused on this weight. He knows how things are. He says, man, this is, it doesn't work like this. You know, it, it's past. That time is over. You know, that ship has sailed. We're not going to be able to have this. God isn't going to be able to work in this place. You see, Zechariah is focused on the weight because it's been so long. It's been too long. Have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed so long and you just thought, man, it's just not going to make a difference? That's Zechariah. He's focused on the weight. He says, man, you know, listen, uh, sorry, Elizabeth, but, you know, it's just been too long. It's just been too long. I, I don't think we should bother ourselves, get our hopes up. You know, the weight, it's just not worth it. Uh, on the other side, I think we've got this. If we focus on the prize, we become expectant. We have anticipation. There's a, there's a big difference between waiting with anticipation and waiting to get to the front of the line to renew your license at the DMV. You know, one of them, you're like excited about it. It's been interesting. Recently, the New York Times and a few other outlets ran stories of uh, scientists who have been studying the brain of people who are anticipating things. And they put these little gizmos on people and take their blood and test all these hormones and all this stuff. And, and here's what they've, they've noticed is that when you're anticipating something, when you're looking forward to something, maybe you're planning a trip someplace and you start to look for all the things you're going to do when you're there, all the places you're going to eat when you get there, all the sites you're going to see when you get there, and you're thinking about all the history that's there and you're thinking about how much fun it's going to be. When you start anticipating in that way, your brain releases the same happy chemicals that are going to be released when you're in the place. In other words, the weight is part of the fun. The anticipation is part of the joy of the experience. And as you look forward to that trip, or parents, as you look forward to giving that gift, that one special gift that you're thinking, man, I want to give this to my kid. They're going to love it so much. As you anticipate that, your attitude is boosted you know, at a biological level because you are anticipating the prize. You're not focused on the weight. You're not focused on the problems. You're just thinking about how great it's going to be when it happens. That's the difference between waiting and anticipating. That's the difference between being stuck in a line and being expectant. Elizabeth, I think, was the expectant, the anticipating one. Zachariah, however, was the one stuck in a line. Elizabeth was hopeful in prayer. She waited on God. I'm not saying she wasn't realistic. I'm confident she had moments of doubt and brokenness and sorrow and sadness. But somewhere deep in her heart, she knew it could happen. She knew that God had done that type of thing before. She just had to look back to, to the mother of, of faith, Sarah and Abraham, to know that God had worked that way before and he could do it again. That's Elizabeth, open at least to the possibility of God, thinking that, you know what, this could happen. God did it for Sarah. He did it for Hannah. He could do it for me. 
Gabriel said this word. I find it interesting. He said, your prayers have been heard. As Zechariah hears that, I wonder, is, is Gabriel saying that to Zechariah, saying, I've heard your prayers, Zechariah, or I've heard your wife's prayers, or maybe both? I don't know. But I know that when we focus on the prize, we become expectant. So back to Zechariah. Let's think about this for a while. So he's silent for about a year because it says they get home and then Elizabeth conceives. So you've got at least a nine, ten month, you know, year-ish time period where all of this takes place. Through this entire time, Zechariah can't talk. Really a big bummer for somebody who's used to talking, especially and now cannot talk. It says he's got a little pad that he you know, writes things down on periodically, uh, but he can't say anything. Wouldn't you want to say something in this moment? I mean, first of all, you've seen an angel. Now you're going to have this promised child. And now as your wife is pregnant, and every time she's like, oh, Zachariah, come over here. Feel this. Feel this. John's kicking. You know, you can feel it right now. He can't say to her, oh, this is amazing. How exciting is this? I'm so happy. He can say nothing. He can just smile and nod and that's it so each time he he wants to have a conversation with somebody you know he i imagine he goes to form the words and now all of a sudden he can't talk and it catches him off guard as silence leaves his mouth but here's what i think is happening as this is each happening in each moment that he wants to say something to Elizabeth about how sorry he is that they don't have air conditioning, you know, at this time period. And she's having this child. Each time he wants to order something or pick up something at the grocery store, you know, because Elizabeth's got some sort of craving and he can't talk. Each time he does that, he's reminded of the fact that God has shown up, that he is, he's dumbstruck that he can't speak because God has shown up in an amazing way. And here's what I think. I think it reminds him of the promise of God. I think it reminds him that God is, in fact, going to do what he said he would. He asked the angel, how am I going to know? How are you, you going to prove this to me? And Gabriel says, how about not talking for a year? That'll do it. That'll prove it to you. And it does. And so each time he can't talk, it's, it's reminding him of the fact that God has shown up. And soon his son does too. We read about it, Luke chapter 1. It says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. You see, this is a tradition. You didn't name your kid like whatever cool name you liked. Um, you named your kid part of the family. And it says, so they made signs to the father. They were like, all right, Elizabeth, let's see what John wants to, or Zechariah wants to do. And John, he says, I, here, get me a writing tablet. And he writes, his name is John. And as soon as he puts that, that there, his mouth was opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. I bet he did. Here's the message is we don't just wait. We want to anticipate. Listen, you're, we're all going to be stuck in a line at some point in our life. We're all waiting for something, even right now. The question is, are you going to wait or are you going to anticipate? It's the same line. It's going to have the same result. It's going to come to the same end. The question is, how are you going to view it right now? How are you going to look at it right now? Are you going to expect God to show up? Are you going to look at life with curiosity and wonder? Or are you going to become impatient and bored and say, I don't know, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? I've been waiting so long. Listen, this is an easy thing for us to do. You know, it can be simple. It's those moments when you find yourself impatient and say, man, this line is terrible. I hate it so much. Just think one step ahead. 
That's what anticipating really is. Just think one step ahead and ask yourself, what happens next? Yeah, I'm stuck in line at Sam's Club and they've only got one person scanning and there's 300 people in this line backed up to the restroom. Why can't they get another person out here? It's not like it costs them a whole lot. because they. We've all had that moment. We could just say, you know what? As soon as I get out of here, boy, we're going to have a great time. I'm going to spend some time with my family. I'm going to enjoy doing this. I'm going, to, I'm going to get to work. I'm going to get something done. I don't know where you're going next, but just think about that and say, man, you know what? I'm going to anticipate this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present in that moment. It's amazing how long we let the wait, you know, last with us, even when we get to where we're going. We show up there and we're still mad about the wait that we're now out of. We're mad. We get there. How's your day? It's been terrible. I had to wait in line this whole time. You know, you could say, man, it's, you know, it's been good. I had to wait in line, but now I'm glad I'm here. Do you see? It's the same thing. It's just a different perspective. It's just a different attitude. It's what happens when we anticipate instead of wait. We get to Zechariah's prayer. And I want to read that together as a church here in a second. Um, but I think you'll see that it shows his whole mindset has changed. His whole mindset has changed. No longer is he waiting. It's clear he was anticipating God to show up. Here's something interesting. I, I, I want to I share this with you before we get to Zechariah's prayer. Zechariah's name means something kind of significant. It means Jehovah remembers. Zechariah's name literally means God remembers. Implication, God remembers you. God remembers me. As I read 